She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Ron and Anian, this is your therapy. This is my therapy. This is... I get to tell you about my week because nobody would believe me. The car doctor. Understand, an AC compressor is a big pump. If there's particulate, if there's contaminant of some kind in the AC compressor, it's now been pumping junk into the system. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. That's 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Call, leave a message. If we're not on the air, we're live on the network Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And um, if we're not here in your neighborhood, you can call and leave 855-560-9900. You can leave a message. And the infamous, often duplicated, well, never duplicated, no baloney, not a phony Tom Ray. We'll call you back, executive producer. You're uh, you're on the board again this hour, I guess. I, 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 I don't know. I'm starting to get worried about Tony. We haven't heard from him. Right, and you know we were supposed to be up at the Warwick Drive-in today, and there was a technical difficulty there. The um, the internet hey. kind of. Oh, who is that Tony? Who's hey, that? Tony. Oh, um, where are you guys? I'm in Warwick. Yeah. Well, listen. Uh, <laughs> what the hell is going on? I woke up five o'clock this morning, left my house in Brooklyn, took the train to Grand Central Station. Took the metro north to Warwick, and now I don't see no Tom and Ray. What is what's going on? Well, you know, see, it's Tom's fault, Tony. Well, no, 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 don't no, listen no, to him, no, Tony. No, you should no, know no, better. No, I'm talking. I'm, I'm, no, it's just not Tom's fault. It's the host's fault. <laughs> what's what's going on? We um, we're not there. There was a the the internet. There was a glitch for the internet. Pardon us a minute, folks. There was a, there was a glitch on the internet and a family squabble here. And you know, so Tom decided see so it's tom's fault that we were going to come back but we're sitting here in studio we were cutting it close on time to get the live show going and uh last hour we were sitting here and i said by the way what happened to tony and nobody could have called me or texted me or sent a back signal well, well, somebody, well we tried that but we thought ron ron thought maybe you were stuck under a burrito truck because because taylor no, from, no, no. taylor from wtbq said there's there's, 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 there's this, there's this large guy with a Ron and Anian Car Doctor T-shirt on sleeping under a burrito truck, half passed out with a burrito and a beer in his hand. We were just like, it's got to be Tony. Um, no, no, uh, it wasn't me. Um, no, um, only thing I had was a sausage and biscuit this morning. All right. Well, listen, we hate to tell you this, but you're going to have to wait because we're going to come up and get you and then go out to dinner. Um, we've got no, another. No, I'm, I'm going home. Well, I'm going home. How are you going to do that? I'm going to get back on the train. All right. I'm stuck in the boondocks, okay? I need right. to go back to Metropolis, civilization. Mm. Yeah, I'm well. out here with Gilligan. Well, you know, <laughs> listen, now tomorrow, we, we just want you to know, if you want to stay an extra hour, we'll put it into your expense budget. You can have a couple of more burritos, try the food truck parade up there, and um, you get warmed up for tomorrow for the Giants opening game. Who are we picking tomorrow, Tom? Of course, I'm going with the New York Giants. Big, We're going to beat um, Jacksonville. Big, big blue, right, baby? Yeah, Big Blue. Big Blue. All right, listen, I love you, and uh, get home safe, and we'll talk next week. We'll see you next week. Uh, you guys have a good show. Take right. care. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's that's really what happened, folks. We kind of forgot about Tony out in the boondocks up in Warwick. Well, not Warwick's not the boondocks, but you know, we sort of we sort of forgot where Tony was. 
Anyway, this is a car show. That's what this is. You haven't tuned into uh, the lunacy hour. Um, uh, so, Tom, I guess uh, Tony will come back next week, won't he? I hope so. Hey, Tony, you still there? No, he's gone. He oh, had a, too he bad. Had the train. He was running. He was going to run. Okay. Well, now we, can, now we can talk about him again. But yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I, I hope he comes back next week because uh, he has to sit here looking directly at you instead of me having to sit here look directly at you. Yeah. Well, tell you what. How about me sitting here? We'll put Jeff from Michigan on the phone and uh, let's talk to him. Jeff from Michigan, you're on with the car doctor. Now that we've got house cleaning out of the way. How can I help you, sir? Funny you should mention lunacy. Uh, you had a timing chain. Uh, change and a car wouldn't start last week so i thought i'd uh, relate my 8398 about 12 years ago i had to replace the timing chain and of course the water pump and the coil and i my theory is they all degrade electrically together so you do the wires the cap all that junk right yep and so car wouldn't start I thought maybe the, the auto parts people had put the wrong wires in the box because they didn't fit. And my dad's always had Oldsmobiles. And so I knew the timing order, and I put everything back together and it would not start. I moved the, the distributor a gear either way. I might get a little backfire. And so I finally had to look at the rotors. There's something wrong with that. And I noticed it was going the wrong way. So I put the wires on the wrong way. Now they all fit the guides, and it looked good, and and, and the car started right up. So I just uh, thought maybe that's a, a problem somebody hadn't heard of before. Um, I, I lost you somewhere here, babe. You're saying this is the problem you've got now that the car doesn't start, or this is the problem you had 12 years ago? Yeah, that's 12 years ago. I thought it might be helpful for the timing chain, a change in the car wouldn't start from last week's show. Oh, well, yeah, but that car last week didn't have distributor and, and all the same components, but I get it. It's, you know, very, very different technology, very different componentry. Um, uh, you know, that 83 old years, uh, that is a computer carburetor, that is a carburetor feedback system, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Very different stuff. Um, uh, very different technology uh, that's there. It shows how far we've come in the past umpteen years. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, uh, it's very different stuff that you've got going on there. But um, you know, uh, it's funny. You know, auto repair. You can kind of divide it into regions in your mind. As the guy doing it in the carburetor era and the distributor era are very different problems than you see in cam and crank sensor, computer-driven port fuel injection era, and then you get into GDI injection, and you start going through the different types of fuel and emission controls, and some of them have specific problems, and some of it still comes back to, you know, and I thought we were going to talk today about your old not starting today. And, and 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 that's okay, man. I'm not saying it's bad, but, you know, my, my question to you is going to be, what's it missing? And it's always the same question, regardless of whether it's carbureted, port fuel, GDI, distributor, distributor list, whatever. What's it missing? Does it have spark? Does it have fuel? Is it got a mechanical issue? Did it jump the chain? Did it did it you know uh, go out of time? Did it you know have a compression loss for some reason? We had a um, we had a Lincoln last week that had fuel pump issues and fuel system problems, and Lincolns are too big and heavy to push, and it was a simple matter of. Uh, I drove the car in on a bottle of propane. You know, as soon as I knew it was missing fuel and it had spark, 
the heck with it. I hooked up some propane to it and drove the car in on propane because it's, it's too big and heavy and Ron's too old to push cars anymore. So um, my point being, the basics still come into effect, as Absolutely. always. Yeah. So, all right, kiddo, oh, how, many, just... how many miles do you have on your car? An 83 Olds is 93,000. You're coming up, you know, another five years. You're 35 years old right now, that car. Yep. Yeah, I, I forget. It's uh, it's up there. It's under two hundred thousand. But I right. replaced all the brake lines except the front two, and now I'm going to have to do those. So. Yeah. Which trans do you Which trans do you have, Jeff? Do you have the turbo two hundred? Do you have the baby trans, or do you have the good trans, the bigger one? Well, I think it's uh, the bigger one. Yeah, you hope I'm not so. Not sure yeah. though. Yeah. So yet another question, real quick. Uh, just uh, the it might be helpful to somebody with those old cars. The uh, I had a. Uh, brake fluid leak the left rear. Anyway, the brake cable had seized in the sheath, and the right shoe wouldn't move. So I free all, uh, free all in in the sheath. But there was a problem with the uh, shoe hardware kits. They didn't come with the uh, the top spring, the top bar between the the shoes at the top. Right. And and none of my other springs would work. And I noticed the old shoe hold down springs. And so I ended up using a half-inch Allen wrench in the vise straight up, and I compressed those on a half-inch, and they turned out to be the perfect oval. The short springs where the, the brake bar is were the right length, and the long springs you cut around in a half, 540 degrees off it, compress it, tuck the top in with a, a yellow pocket screwdriver, yellow handle screwdriver, and... They're stronger, better. They work perfectly, just in case anybody. Yeah, and and what what the, the spring you're looking for would be in the park brake self adjuster kit. There, there's actually a couple of different brake spring kits when you go to the parts store. So there's there's hold down springs, and then there's going to be the park lever, uh, and the self adjuster kit. And there's there's usually two or three different style uh, brake spring kits on drum brake systems. And that would be in the park brake lever, but in the pole. But hey, listen, you got something to work. We're looking for bounce back, and um, it, you, you know you made it work. So, but yeah, the uh, parts people didn't know about that. Yeah, so that's hope they're listening. Listen, I started on the parts counter uh, 15 years ago. Um, you know when dirt was invented. So, uh, um, you know Castle Auto Parts, Ramsey, New Jersey. That was my first job. Uh, work working the counter. That's. You know, and then somebody said, gee, you'd be better on this side of the counter, and I moved over, and that was it. So the career was born. Jeff, I got to go. I appreciate the call. I appreciate the comments. I loved how it had to be a yellow pocket screwdriver. I thought that was a great description. See, I was listening. I was um, listening. I love yeah. the show. Thanks Thank you, sir. You're very welcome, man. You have a good rest of the weekend. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor is cruising back. Don't go away. You have fun, 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 What's more fun than listening to Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor and getting that car fixed right? 855-560-9900. Give Ron a call. Now, back to Ron. Let's go over to Diane from Louisiana. Some questions about buying a car. Diane, welcome to the Car Doctor. How can I help? Hi, Ron. Um, I am wanting to buy a Mercury Grand Marquis. Nice car. Um, I... Love the big cars. I used to have one years ago, and then everybody got panicked between the gas and whatever. Anyway, um, I now presently drive a Subaru Outback 2001. Okay. Uh, I don't enjoy it. I had two big dogs, which is why I bought it, but it's a great car. I don't have any problems. I just I don't like it. So my question to you is I have read that mechanics 
kind of really like these marquees as far as working on them. Either they're, I don't know, just because they're bigger engine stuff, easier to get to. I don't know. But I'm wondering, can you shoot me in the direction of somewhere between, you know, 2004 and nine? I'm trying to stay in between the five or $6,000 range in my area. Yeah, I would tell you that. So let's look at it like this. If we're between 2004 and 2009, a 2009 Mercury Grand Marquis, uh, you know, at the very least right now is 10 years old. Right. A, a 2004 is 15 years old. So it's not so much in terms of car condition, because obviously you'll look for something with, you know, as low as mileage as possible within your budget, but it's also about parts availability. And I don't mean, uh, I don't mean big stuff. You know, you can probably repair the engine and transmission if it needed it and differential rear axle. You know, all those parts are generally available. It's the small, goofy stuff. It's the power door lock actuator. It's the door uh, handle. It's the mirror. It's, you know, it's the small trim that's getting harder to find on the older cars. And, and I'm not saying it would, it would deter me from buying it, all right? But, you know, it's just something to be aware of. So, you know, if I had my preference, 2009, right. you know, eight or nine, the last couple of years of production, right. um, I think I think the, the last couple of years by then, I think they went to steering racks in 04 or 05. Uh, the steering got better. The braking got better. The brake line started to become vinyl coated on certain models. So they got to be better cars. Um, wow. Uh, well, I know, didn't give that a thought. Yeah, um, but parts parts does come into it. Uh, right. You know, it's it's. Listen, I just I just went through this dilemma with my wife's car. She had a she had an 05 Chevy Malibu, sweet little car, 175,000 miles on it, and we've been nursing the trans for the past year because the decision had to be made. Do we do we put a trans in it? Do we you know do we get rid of it? And it it, it ultimately came down to I looked at the car and I said here's a here's a here's a 14-year-old car with 175,000 miles on it that I haven't done anything to. The car, it's been a strong car, um, but it needed a trans. Original starter, original alternator, original water pump, original AC compressor, original radiator. You know, there's, there's, there's even doing it on my own time, which, what's my time worth? My time has value because I don't get a lot. I don't, I can't manufacture time. And believe me when I tell you, I'm always doing something. Um, you know, I'm going to put, I'm going to put uh, a couple of five, six thousand dollars in a 15 year old car. Where's, where's my parts availability? How easily can I get parts? What if I want to take it on a long road trip? And, you know, you got to think of all those things. Now, if you're going to buy this Mercury Grand Marquis and stay close to home with it, all right. you know, then, yeah, listen, do it. Um, well, and that's another thing. Um, I'm 70 years old. I don't go far and I don't go fast right. in general. And I have read, of course, these big cars don't like that. They want to be driven a lot. Yeah, you know, listen, I think, I think that short trips on any car are tough on the car. Right. Uh, and and personally I think a short trip a short a short driven uh Grand Marquis is going to hold up better than a Subaru uh simply because the Subarus are known for their head gasket problems and that primarily happens on a short trip driven car because it heat, it doesn't heat up all the way and it doesn't come up to operating temperature right. and Right. Um, I mean I, I had a mechanic yeah. Tell me that, you know, you really need to drive this car. Right. I yeah. don't I can't. Yeah. I can't, but the only thing I do do is change the oil often. I yeah. pay no attention to when, how many miles. I just know, generally speaking, in two months' time, I hardly go anywhere, but I'm going to change that oil again. 
whether that is doing anything for me or the engine, I don't know. Yeah, and I, you know, I would probably tell you that every three to four months on a real short trip driven car and then paying attention to fluids and tire pressure and things like that, and I think you'll get more life out of the car and you'll stretch your dollars a little bit longer. But, uh, you know, I have no problem telling you to buy a 10-year-old Mercury Grand Marquis because you are right. They are easier to work on. Um, well, they, and, they, they, and let me ask you this now, because just because of the type of car they are, they've generally been owned by older people, and they've had the same thing. The, you know, I can find a 2004 or five marquee with under 90,000 miles on it. Right. Um, same thing. They're all in that price range, $5,000, give or take. Yeah. And even this 2009, maybe it's a come on for the dealership to get you to come in because it's priced below value. But either way, you know, if I can get a 2009 for 108,000 miles on it, which means it was at least driven and whatever. Yeah. Uh, makes sense what you're telling me as far as the age of it and what, yeah. you know, and I, would, I don't need to be buying something older. Well, because no, that's, well, then that makes sense. Yeah. That, you yeah, always do. Yeah, thank you, Norlin. Listen, look at <laughs> look at the alternative. You're going to go out and spend $45,000 on a vehicle? Even if you had it, you're going to go out and spend to, to drive to the corner store and do 5,000 exactly. miles a year? And I see these people, look, the, the really, the elderly with the money, I see them doing this all the time. Yeah, I don't and get it. And they're going to, like, you got to be crazy, you people. Yeah. Um, but anyway, well, look, I, I appreciate it. You, you've given me a direction to go in, and it makes sense. Oh, you're very welcome, darling. I'm glad I could I be here to help show. you. Thank you, sweetheart. You have a good rest of the day. Thank um, you. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. Um, yeah, and, you know, there's a, there's a lot to be said for buying that older full-size car. I still don't understand why Ford stopped producing the Crown Vic Mercury Grand Marquis body style. You know, used to be the, used to be the cop car and the taxi car. Now you see what everybody's driving? Ford Explorers. So we went from driving <laughs> we went from driving this big you know, if you think about it, right? We're really all driving station wagons anyway. What's a suburban? It's just a bigger, heavier station wagon. What's an expedition? A bigger, heavier station wagon. And you know, listen, if if I could find if I could find like a ninety-five full-size Caprice wagon, oh my God, those were the greatest things going, uh, Chevy wagon. So, uh, gee whiz, it's anyway. Car models, why they go away—that's a whole other story. I'm Ron Anning, the car doctor. Come back for the rest of the story right after this. I'll be right back. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way. Welcome back. Ron and the car doctor, 855-560-9900. Let's go over and talk to Al in Maine, 08 Chevy Malibu. Al, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Uh, I have an 08 Malibu, uh, 3.5, and it was bringing up a crank sensor code, PO336. Okay. Uh, 
that, and as the st- problem started, you would start it cold, uh, which showed no RPM, and would go into limp mode. After the thing warmed up, it would run fine, and you had attack again. And we've been chasing this for a while, and uh, replaced the crank sensor and the cam sensor because I read that that can be involved in the RPM. Uh, now we're at a point it won't start. Okay, when did it reach? What did you change that made it reach the point of a no start? Well, I put in the cam sensor. I backed it out in limp mode and went back to it after that. And haven't been able to start it since. Um, been testing circuits, you know, for um, to see if there's anything bad in the wiring, anything like that. And the only thing I've come up with is the input line to the crank sensor is low voltage. I got 5.04 volts and it should be 12. Okay, so and that's the, that's the signal that's the signal line or that's the feed line input. Okay. So that's coming from the PCM going to the sensor and the sensor's got to pull that signal and generate that into a signal of some sort. Uh, there's a three-wire sensor. Yeah. Right, if I recall. There's, there's a low reference right. sensor and that one's getting 0.15 volts. Right. Um, so the first question is why do we only have why do we only have five volts on a twelve volt line? Right. Yeah, that and would that would be that I'm, would be I'm my question. Perhaps it's in the PCM. Well, it could be. So my I got, next, I got twelve volts on the ignition um, pin nineteen and uh, twelve volt on the twelve volt feed pin twenty. So you have twelve volts at the PCM, but somehow it's getting lost coming out from the harness. Correct. So, I know it's getting lost coming out the P- PCM before it gets to the harness. Right. So, so right, but it's coming. You saying that you've got it at the PCM, but between the PCM and the crank sensor, it's getting lost. No, I don't have I, uh, the feed line that um, comes from the PCM to the crank sensor reads five point oh five point oh four volts coming out of the PCM. Right. It reads the same at the crank sensor. Okay. So, and that's supposed to have 12 volts on it? Yes. What? Are you sure about that? Okay, I'll take your word for it. I have to, I'd have yeah, to read it. The first time one. I tested it, we had 10 volts, and then uh, I've been rechecking everything because I can't get it running, and now i got 5.04 volts. Okay. So if we're supposed to have 12 volts there, what's the harm in cutting the harness and inducing 12 volts right to that sensor? Well, I, I've considered that. Um, I've done that. I can't say I've done that on that specific vehicle, but at times I just, you know, let's take the component out of the car and and, and make it work on its own. Let's get it away from the thing that's broken. Um, But, uh, you know, before we do that, let's back up a second. If you look at this on a scan tool, um, Mm -hmm. do you see cranking RPM being signaled? Yes. You do? Yeah, and I didn't before. When this problem started, uh, when it didn't read on the dash, it didn't read on the um, scan tool. But I am reading RPM now as I turn it over. Okay, well, if you're reading, but if you're reading RPM, and if you're reading RPM while you're cranking it, that doesn't make any sense. It sounds like the crank sensor is working. Yes. Do you, do you have, let me ask you this, do you have a scope, Al? No. Um, I'd love to see if we could get a, we could get a signal out of that, out of that uh, sensor. Um, okay. Uh, you know, if we could just put it, you know, it's it's going to be a square wave. Do we um, uh, do we have an issue? 
Um, okay. The other question I've got is, and I know this sounds, I know this is going to sound strange to you. Get your hands on General Motors Service Bulletin. Um, um, it's actually a piece of service information. They're going to treat it as a TSB internally in GM. If you go into all data, you'll find it. But they talk about a service engine light during a, a, a crank no start or hard start condition, mm-hmm. and it'll set a 336 and it's contaminated fuel. You know, um, uh, so, you know, maybe before we go pulling our hair out, let's cover, you know, let's go back to what can you tell me the car has, you know? Right. Um, maybe right. The, and maybe, you know, backing backing up a second, thinking about it, do you, have a, do you have a stethoscope or something you can listen to the injectors with? Yes. Do the injectors click? Uh, yes, it's loading up right now. Okay. If the injectors yeah, when you when you turn it over, it sounds like the timing's off. It coughs back through the intake and does all kinds of crazy things. Okay. Uh, I have tested. It's got 150 pounds compression. Even went so far as to look at the timing because someone told me that they believed it was cam phaser. Timing is right on. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen cam phaser issues, but it'll run. It'll just run real bad and rough. Um, right. You know, it'll still fire. It's, it's a lawnmower engine, man. It's just got it's just got five extra cylinders. Let's let's think about the basics. So right. you, you know, let's 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 think about what's good as mechanics, right? Let's just mm-hmm. pull, put a fuel pressure gauge on it. Check fuel 60 pressure, pounds. sixty pounds. Let's take yep. a fuel sample. All right, go out and get a okay. bottle. Go out and get a bottle of Snapple. Drink the Snapple. Fill the Snapple bottle. If it fills the Snapple bottle in twenty seconds, while mm-hmm. cranking it, fuel pressure's good. Now you can take a fuel sample. Fuel's clean. Move on. But okay. let's just be sure. If the injectors are clicking, then and you've got a cranking signal at the tack at the at the scan tool, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, it sounds like the crank sensor circuit's working. Yeah, I've thought that too, but I'm just uh, concerned because the voltage reading is low. Right. Well, let's get away from the voltage reading for the moment, and let's just go with functionality. Do the injectors? Do the injectors click? Does it have spark? Yeah. If the, yes, if the, yeah, it's got a good spark, and the ejectors do click. And like I say, it kicks back. It coughs up through the intake and all everything. All right, do, do this then, all right? Unplug the crank sensor. Mm-hmm. Does it, does it, no, does it no longer sounds, have injector pulse? Sounds perfectly normal when you do that. Turns right. over fine. And you know why? Because it no longer has injector pulse, and it no longer has spark, I bet you. Right. And if, it, if, if that's true, then guess what? There's nothing wrong with the crank sensor. Correct. There's nothing wrong with the crank sensor or the circuitry. Then don't worry about it at that point. Um, if you can get a square wave on it and scope it, great. Uh, you know, it would be it would be nice if if you could scope and compare cam crank. Do a you know what I mean when I say a cam crank overlay? Yep. You know, and 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 look at cam timing in relation to the crank, and then you know see what you've got there. But then maybe I'll buy the fact maybe it jumped time. All right. Yeah, I've checked that though. It's right on. Timing's right on the mark. Yep. Okay. Let's 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 figure out what's good. All right. Let's do okay. that this week. Let's figure out okay. what's good. Unplug the crank sensor. You should lose spark and injector pulse. Plug it back in. You should get it back. To me, that tells to me that tells me that um, crank sensor's working. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see how it's not. And then we'll talk about we'll talk about cam sensor next week. I'll be here. Okay. All right, sir. Very good. Um, I appreciate it. Do you have my email? Um, no, I don't. Ron at cardoctorshow.com. Very simple. I can figure that out. Yeah. Um, and then if you would, email me the VIN, the 17-digit VIN. Mm-hmm. And um, 
you know, let me know what the test results are. We'll talk next week. All right. I appreciate your help. You're very welcome, sir. You uh, you, you do all that. We'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. All right. Um, thank you. You're very welcome. 855-560-9900. Yeah, sometimes you got to go backwards and you got to figure out, you know, here's what's good. Okay. Then, you know, prove it's bad. How can I prove the crank sensor's working or not working? What if I unplug it? Does it take away spark and injector pulse? Yeah, then guess what? It's working. Um, we don't know if it's working effectively. We don't know how clean the signal is, and that's where the scope would come in. It will tell us, you know, is it a precise signal, but at least it tells us, you know, what we're actually seeing there. That 12-volt number, i got to look that up. That doesn't sound right to me. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. It on the wall so you don't forget to call for car advice done right. 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. In a way, I'm glad. Well, one of the nice things about, okay, we're not the world with driving this week is because a, a lot of weird things happened at the shop this week. And I said, ooh, when, when this one particular thing happened, I said, oh, I want to talk about this Saturday. Oh, I can't. I won't be. I'll be doing a remote. So here's what I wanted to tell you. Had to service the drive line, 2014 Ford Escape, 88,000 miles on it, my, my, my daughter's car. She was in from uh, um, Pennsylvania this week. And you know, approaching 90,000 miles, you want to go through drive line fluids. Trans has been done, but I've never done the rear differential. Shame on me. Um, she kind of racked up some miles, and it got away from me. Uh, but you know, I, ne- I had never serviced the rear differential on her car, and I had never serviced what they call the PTU or the power takeoff unit which is up front it's the it's the piece that um uh, directs the rear drive shaft and helps create the four-wheel drive option for the front it's sort of like a front transfer case if you will i'm not sure what ford is thinking and i like ford i think ford makes a great car i really do but every once in a while you kind of run into that engineer that i think you know i don't know he he, he, he went out for a liquid lunch and came back in at two o'clock in the afternoon and said hey let's build it anyway who cares let's see if anybody notices the fill plug for the front power takeoff for the front transfer case unit is is a tiny little thing. It's a it's it's like a Torx plus fifty um, steel plug cast into an aluminum case. Steel and aluminum. You put steel and aluminum together. It's like your relatives at the holidays. Nobody gets along with each other. And to get it out, you have to move the turbo intercooler tube, which is held on with these one time use only clips. So that becomes a joy. And the kicker becomes that there is less than 12 ounces of fluid in the PTU. Think about that. That's less than a pint. There's less than a pint of 75-140 synthetic gear lube in this transfer case. It's a very light, that's a very light oil, um, and it's going to evaporate over time. And it came out black. It was beat to death. Now, Ford's answer is it's lifetime fluid. And I keep saying, yeah, but whose lifetime? What if I outlive the car? Okay. At least the front transfer case, the PTU, you could drain. The differential, I think the guy went out at lunchtime and did a little bit more than just had a couple of beers. I think he was smoking something. The fill plug, there's a a, a three-eighths, or I'm sorry, a half-inch drive fill plug, a traditional differential fill plug, removal plug, inspection plug, whatever you want to call it, in the very back of the housing. So you find your very flat, thin, easy-access, low-clearance ratchet, and you, you get it out. But there's no way to get 
your finger because they put the cross member, the rear cross member, right behind the plug. So you've got a distance of about maybe a half of an inch, maybe five-eighths of an inch. <laughs> what are they thinking? And there's no, way to, there's no way to drain the fluid. All right? So, you know, what we've done is we've created a, a, a sucker, um, you know, copper tubing, uh, vacuum pump, uh, a steel drum, and we pull vacuum on the pump, and we put this in with a tube, and we, we extract it. We've, we've created a tool for it. But I don't understand what they're thinking because, you know, the times that I've done this, we haven't serviced a lot of these drive lines yet because they are getting older. By the way, Tom, we have to do this to yours. Tom has a 2015. The fluid comes out black, and it's just 80, 90 weight conventional gear oil. And you know what? You can read any fantasy fairy tale you want. Gear oil wears out. I don't care who. I don't care who. Can, you're never going to convince me otherwise. I see gear oil come out black and beat. I see gear oil come out brown and foamy. It's water contaminated. It's yellow. <laughs> what are we doing here? I, I got to tell you. You know what? You guys have been listening to me for years, and you know what? I, I tell it like it is. I think Ford made a mistake on this. For a simple, what would it cost to drill the bottom of the case and make the differential drain itself? And then there is a proper tool. We do have the Mighty Vac hook tool that you can fill with um, up top. You would make it a serviceable component. I'll tell you the thing that really kind of got me. In the front of the rear differential, there's a viscous coupling, which is part of the, the all-wheel drive operation of the vehicle. And I got to tell you, that viscous coupling looks exactly like the one from the Toyota Siennas that we change from time to time. From Toyota, that viscous coupling is $2,200. You can buy it separately. From Ford, that viscous coupling, and you can't buy it separately. You've got to buy the whole differential. It's $975. It's half the price. Um, you know, it just sort of makes you wonder, like, how come Toyota's twice as much money as Ford? Is Toyota on an ego trip? You know what? We can pick on Toyota a little bit, too. All good cars, just some of the engineering leaves you scratching your head. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back to wrap it up right after this. She's real fine, my 409. She's real fine, my 409, my 409. Welcome back. We're on The Car Doctor. I want to close out the show today with some comments about autonomous cars. Uh, comments uh, recently from the president's desk, John Galvin from uh, AAA. He talks about today's today autonomous cars are a reality. At AAA, we've done research to understand consumer attitudes towards self-driving cars. We focused on three main areas, driver comfort, comfort with the idea of sharing the road with a self-driving car while walking or riding a bike, and if a driver wants a semi-autonomous technology in the next vehicle. The results of our most recent study show 73% of U.S. drivers are too afraid to drive to ride in a to drive right to ride in a fully self-driving vehicle up significantly from 63 percent in late 2017 additionally 63 percent of adults report they would feel less safe sharing the road with a self-driving vehicle while walking or riding a bicycle slightly more than half of drivers want semi-autonomous vehicle technology in the next car they buy or lease um yeah like it, it makes no sense it's it's the the the, the goofy part is it's all we, this generation, you know, the 20 years before me, the 20 years after me, it's all we know to drive yourself in a car. And we've talked about this before. I want to be able to control that thing 
yeah. if I'm sitting in it. Here's what I want to know is going to happen. And it, this occurred to me this week when I was doing some reading and thinking about it. With self-driving cars, are we going to do away with parking garages? Why would you need to park the car? Have it drop you off for the theater? Program the car? Come back in two hours. <laughs> try, try think about it. It's, you know, we're not going to need parking lots anymore. Oh, boy, where will the future take us? I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. I'll be right here to take you with me. Good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya.